Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we are coming before you as the people of God for the purposes of God to see in your word how you have given us a Savior King, the one that came to save all of us through his mighty rule. God, we, we pray that you would transform us and move in and through us as a church, as a community of believers, that you would receive the glory for, for what we are able to do right now on this earth. God, help us to love you and fall even more in love with you and your plan that is shown from thousands of years ago to now. And help us to understand that no matter what happens on this earth, our celebration of Jesus Christ through Christmas isn't canceled. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is John Mueller, and I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight Community Church. I'd like to welcome you here to our service, our Sunday morning service online. Today we're going to be in the book of Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament. It's one of the major prophets. And we're starting a series called Christmas Isn't Canceled. And I know some of us feel like Christmas is canceled or Thanksgiving is canceled just because we're having to make adjustments or our family members are making adjustments so that we're not able to see as many people as we normally are going to see. But God's word tells us very clearly there's nothing that can cancel our celebration of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to look at, at a promise that gives us hope and was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And there's reason to celebrate. Just like every other year, there's reason to celebrate. So if you're following along uh, online, uh, you can pull open on your phone our app. If you click at the top, it'll go to our YouVersion event, and you can look at both our online bulletin, but also the notes for the sermon. And today, we are going to be talking about the coming king. Who is the coming king? Well, we're going to hear about that from Isaiah. We're all looking for someone or something to make the world right. Some trust in government or politics. Still others trust in wealth and maybe, maybe their own power. Lots of people trust in relationships. Any place we look, we see people chasing after things to make the world right again. We seek out temporary pleasures, temporary things that never really make the world right, but they feel good for a moment. The prophet Isaiah makes it clear that there is one coming that will make the world right again. We were in darkness, trusting everything but God. And you might be there now, or maybe you're walking in light. One that is coming will be a great light that will deliver us from a world that needs to be set right. A king is coming that will bring justice and righteousness. And there's a little bit of a twist here. He will be a child. Christmas isn't canceled. No matter how it looks, it's not canceled. The prophet Isaiah wrote the words of Isaiah chapter 9 in 735 B.C., People had the same need then that we have now. They needed the coming king. Let's turn to the passage, and if you can open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9, 
And we'll start in verse 2 of the passage and read together these verses. Verses 2 through 9 of Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Yet for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. The second verse of Isaiah chapter 9 starts off a section of prophecy. Looking back at what is God, God has done and forward to what he will do. You see, the land is blessed and people are walking in God's light. And this, this walking literally means what are they doing in their lives. This is how they are living their lives. The, the, the part here that, that is translated, the land of deep darkness, literally means the shadow of death or, or death darkness. That means this close to death. This means on death's door, you might say. Those people have seen the light, and this is something experienced. And objectively, not subjectively, objectively, it has shown upon them. God's action is light, and our response is walking. So my first point here is that God has given us light to walk. Without his light, we won't have any light at all. God's light is delivering us from our walk of darkness. Some will continue in darkness to fall into traps and walk aimlessly while others walk in God's light. I think of it kind of like what happens when you try to walk through a children's playroom when all the toys are still on the floor in the middle of the night. It just, it, it's a disaster. You start hurting your feet and you step on things. You're going to fall into a trap while others will walk in God's light. So when the light switch is turned on and you're able to see the room, you don't step on things. A new day of hope and light would arrive, and it did. Darkness here in the passage symbolized oppression, and this light was the liberation from that darkness. The moment is described in, in being in complete darkness, and then you're blinking, like as if you're trying to understand what's going on around you because you're adjusting to the light before them. The, the people there, are, are it's like they just woke up and they're looking and someone turned on the light and you're trying to figure out where, where to go. That light is so bright. So I, I have a question for you. Are you walking in the light? Are you just saying you are? What, are you walking in the light? Have you seen the light yet? The result of seeing the light is joy. That's shown in verse 3. And that leads to my second point. God's light produces joy instead of fear. If, if we're walking in God's light, we're going to feel full of joy. Joy is one that comes from abundance. Notice the words. It says, you've multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. Later in this verse, it talks about joy at the harvest. The victory and harvest are gifts from God. When we see the light, our response is like the locker room after a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl champions at the game. Everyone's celebrating. There's a huge celebration. 
It might give it more context. Context is that there is going to be eternal celebration in heaven as a result of Jesus Christ's victory. Ray Ortland said this about this verse, the triumph of God's grace over our depressing failures is joy unspeakable and full of glory forever. You know the term getting choked up? It's almost as if you can't say anything. There's so much joy in your life as a result of what's happening. There's a, there's a spiritual restoration and reconciliation that's happening. There's more than enough joy to go around. When your joy and it is gone and you feel empty, there's so much more joy that God can give you. Things have been made right once again. We may not know what that looks like sometimes because we're like, ah, something's off. You ever have that feeling something's off, but you're not really sure what? God knows. That's why verse 4 has many connections back to the Exodus and forward to the New Testament. Back to the Exodus in verse 4, you see the language of yoke, burdens, shoulders, and oppressor. Jesus in the New Testament talks about yoke and burden in Matthew. I, I alluded to the, this passage last week. One of my favorite passages currently is from Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 11 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This connection here is for our benefit. Knowing that the, this yoke that's been taken on by, by the one prophesied by Isaiah has been taken on by Jesus here in Matthew 11 is, leads me to my third point. God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. The yoke would be the yoke that they put on oxen as they, as they ground the land, as they plowed the land. It was something that was, was, was easy, but it was work. In verse 4 in Isaiah, it describes both the yoke as suffering endured and the rod as suffering inflicted on this king, this savior. All suffering... I know this is think, definitely future thing. All suffering will now end through the work of God. The coming king will usher in a kingdom without suffering. No burdens, no tyrants, no tyranny at all. The suffering is going to end. There's only one way. It's through the Savior King. The Savior King is lifting up the yoke of sin to, to or lifting the yoke of sin to lift the yoke of oppression. Both of those are going to be solved through the Savior. The day he comes, we will be delivered from adversity by circumstances or by people. And in Isaiah's day, people were looking for the first coming of that Savior King. But now we are looking forward to the second coming of that Savior King. There's mention of Midian here. And unless you're an expert on Near Eastern history, which not many of us are, this Midian reference is a reference to Gideon in Judges chapter 6 and 7. When God delivered the people, they were in amazement then as we should be now. Verse 5 shows us the same king will stop the battles that the world encounters every day. God is not replacing warfare with more warfare. He's not replacing oppression with greater oppression. He's eliminating it. 
Conflict will be done in. Can I get an amen? Tyranny will go into the fire. Can I get an amen for that? When this happens as a result of God's grace, we will step onto the battlefield after the victory is already won. The final victory is coming. It was coming in Isaiah's day, and it is coming in ours. Victory over sin has come, but the final end to the conflict, we are, we are looking forward to that with the second coming of the Savior King. Something that would have been expected at this point is that the coming king would be described as physically and politically strong and mighty, but God has other plans, and we're going to see that. He sent someone that doesn't look like what we would think they would. He's come, and he will be coming to set things right in the universe. Sometimes we get stuck on our, our, our bubble or our family or our community, but God has got a picture where all the nations come together, and it's the entire universe that it will be made right so let's continue. Verses 6 and 7. These are some of my favorite verses of prophecy in the Old Testament. And I would encourage you that, that especially verse 6, is something that we can memorize and focus on in this Christmas season. Starting in verse 6, it says, For unto us, for to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God's answer is not what would we would expect. His answer to all the things that terrorize us now all the difficulties we're encountering, everything that we're struggling with, every, every moment we're like, this is not the way it should be, is a child. When we feel terrorized, God sent a child? This is a twist that's changed the entirety of all history. Christmas isn't canceled, not this year, not any year, because a baby came to save the world. We celebrate the birth of our Savior King. Every other thing has failed. We can't earn our way to right relationship with God, and it continues to fail. But a baby, God with us. God with us. The message here has, a, has an easy progression. There's his birth. There's his role in governing his kingdom. There's these names. There's a reign of peace. And there's his just eternal rule. God sent a savior king to shoulder our burdens. I don't know about you, but I feel like this is a year filled with burden after burden after burden. Whether it's losing a loved one and not being able to be there because of some restriction, or whether it's children being at home from school or whether your job has changed drastically over this year, or whether you lost your job and gained it back, and whatever is happening, there's burdens, and he is there putting it on his shoulders as we come to him. Which leads to my fourth point. 
God sent Jesus to deliver us as the Savior King. God sent Jesus, a baby, to deliver us as the Savior King. One writer described God sending a baby like this. God is strong enough to overcome his enemies by becoming vulnerable, transparent, and humble. The only hope, in fact, for turning enmity into friendship. We were once enemies, and now we are friends. Right here, there's, there's four names in verse 6 that describe the Savior King Jesus. First is Wonderful Counselor. He has the best ideas, strategies, and wisdom. The nearest Hebrew word here for wonderful is supernatural. His, his wisdom is far above any human wisdom. It says mighty God. The second one here is mighty God. He defeats his enemies easily. It's a piece of cake. He has so much power that he can absorb all the evil that can be thrown at him until there's nothing left. He can, we can hide behind that mighty God when we feel under attack. Everlasting Father. He's a father forever. Everlasting sacrificial fatherhood. He's the most secure reign of a king forever. It was eternal. It is eternal. There's no human ruler that's everlasting. This is the only a reference to God. Prince of Peace. And sometimes some of these, these four names for Jesus we sing about at Christmas, but we don't fully get dig deeper and realize what these mean. He makes peace with us even while we were still enemies. It, it, the peace is well-being, harmony, and peace with God, whom once we had animosity towards, once we were enemies. He's the prince that administers the benefit of peace, true reconciliation, a weight off our shoulders. God has come through Jesus Christ. This Christmas, if that is the one thing that you focus on, God has come through Jesus Christ with everlasting qualities to preserve his people through wisdom and liberation. Verse 7 tells us that he is the final king, the eternal king. This child will save us from our failure. If, if we follow the Savior King, we will be there to enjoy his triumph as it forever increases and increases and intensifies. The passage says here, there will be no end. And then it says, from this time forth and forevermore. Jesus didn't come to, to do something temporary. He came to do something eternal. Free us from chaos to peace, from foolishness to wisdom, from evil to good and from defeat to victory. Every new moment with Jesus will be better than the last moment. He's returning again to correct all evil forever. Now, how is this going to happen, you might say? Look at the last line there in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. You can probably read this. You can look down at your Bible and read this. It says, the zeal of the Lord of the hosts will accomplish this. He's zealous for us. He's zealous for his people. He's not disinterested. He's not divided in his attention. When we struggle with that, he is not struggling with that. He is focused on his plan of restoration. 
that plan that came through Jesus and continues through the Holy Spirit in the church until Jesus comes again. This zealous determination that God was achieve, has achieved with the advent of the kingdom of the Savior King, Jesus Christ. A baby born in the world like anyone else, but infinitely different mission. Was he human? Yes. Was he God? Yes. That is what's so difficult sometimes to understand. He came to save his people and overthrow his enemies. When Jesus came, it was the advent. It was the start of his kingdom, but not the final victory. You know, we're in that in-between space now. Because God plans the future, he defeats his enemies, and he keeps his promises. That's why Christmas isn't canceled. What he has done and is doing and will do cannot be overcome by his enemies. So let's go back to what I started with. What are we trusting in? What are you trusting in? Is it government or politics? Is it wealth? Is it power? Is it relationships? Whatever it is, you're going to struggle if it's that direction. Or is it the coming king? The one that came and the one that is coming back. Christmas is not canceled because no matter where we are, we have the opportunity to celebrate the Savior King Jesus. So what? What does that mean today for me? What does that mean tomorrow for me? God has given us light to walk that produces joy instead of fear. So walk in the light. Walk knowing that Jesus Christ has your life from birth to death to eternal resting place. When you put your faith and trust in him, that is the promise that God has for you. Walk in the light. While we were maybe dark in darkness, now walk in the light. And if you haven't made that decision, if you haven't made that decision to put your faith and trust in him, now is the perfect time. This, this is the time. There's no better time than right now. He died on a cross for your sin, for my sin, to be raised on the third day for eternal life that we can have eternal life with him. If we repent. Also, God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. He sent Jesus to deliver us as the Savior King. His, his, burden, his, his burden is light, his yoke is easy. Why? Because when we're struggling and we're stressed and we're encountering difficulties and we're having differences with others and whatever it is, we can take that burden off our shoulders and Jesus can give us peace that surpasses our understanding and joy that's unspeakable. Because we're so, we have nothing we can possibly say to help understand what we are feeling and what we're, what we're a part of when it comes to that joy. Jesus is not just a savior. He's not just a king. But he is God. And he came on a year just like this year in a world filled with turmoil when people wanted to murder him and wanted to get rid of him 
for all intents and purposes, wanted to destroy him. And he came as the Savior King, as a child. So I'd encourage you this Christmas season, be focused on those passages, especially in Isaiah, and there's passages in Luke. And next week, we'll actually be in Philippians as we look at what God has done through Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me at home and as, as we gather together as, as families and as a church that we would have the opportunity to show other people the light that we now see ourselves? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and, and we see in Isaiah chapter 9 that Jesus is going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Each one of those names describes an aspect and a part of who he is. God, as we need to hear those names and know that he does those things, help us to see in our heart of hearts that Christmas isn't any different this year. If anything, our, our circumstances might have changed, but Jesus Christ and what we celebrate has not changed. God, we thank you and we praise you for the victory that you've accomplished through Jesus already and the one that you're continuing to accomplish and will accomplish when he comes back. So help us to be the instrument, the, the, the body of Christ as we seek to, to help others, encourage others, and help people see the light of your glory and who you are and how Jesus came to save the world. This Christmas is going to be the best Christmas we've ever had as long as we are focused on Jesus. So God, help us to do that in all that we do. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Sunlight. See you next week.